This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Absolutely honoured to say that we're joined on Football CFB today by one of the most successful managers from Ireland. This man has won the League of Ireland five times as a manager. He, he won the league three times with Shelburne and twice with Bohemians. He's also won the League of Ireland Cup competitions numerous times. And as a player, he also won the, the, the trophy that matters in the League of Ireland and crucially also won the Northern Irish League and the Irish Cup with Linfield as well. He's now general manager of Linfield, and that man is Pat Fenland. Pat, thanks for joining me. No problem at all, Colin. The, the first question I've got for you, Pat, your, your job title now is general manager at Linfield. What does that role look like on a day-to-day basis? Uh, busy. <laughs> Particularly at the moment, <clears throat> with everything that's going on. So, uh, yeah, it's basically, I suppose, running the club from... from the top end of the club and reporting back to a board of directors. So it's a busy role. Like I said, I'm two years in the job now this month. Uh, totally enjoying it. Fabulous football club that I played for in the 90s as well. So it's a busy, busy role. It gives me an insight into a completely different side of football that I would have had previously through playing and managing. Um, you know, but like I said, it's it's a real enjoyable job. And in terms of that that day-to-day basis, you've talked about how busy it is. The the club's got a really exciting young manager in in David Healy, who's known to so many, not only in Northern Ireland, but across the world for his his Premier League career and, of course, his national team career. What's it been like working with David as a manager? It's been excellent. You know, since I've gone in, we've been lucky enough. We've we've been successful. David's been successful with his uh, his squad and his staff. And like you say, he's a a very young, uh, vibrant energetic manager and he started off his career really really well at Linfield and I work really well with him you know our offices are, are side by side in the, at the stadium so um, we have a good working relationship at the moment and hopefully go from strength to strength um, you know he puts in a, a, a hell of a lot of work in relation to his role and I'm there to obviously help him and, and give him as much advice and, and help as I can. And in terms of Linfield as a club, something that fascinates me with the club is the fact that it's the most successful club in Northern Ireland. It's one of the most successful clubs in the world when you consider how many championships the club has won. What's it like when, when, you're, when you're managing or being the general manager at a club at Linfield when the expectation is to win every single week? Um, I think I'm fortunate that I, play, I played at the club, obviously, in the 90s, and I'm aware of... The pressure that comes with the club. Um, it's a big football club in in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, and our, our ambition is to grow it even bigger. Um, so I know the responsibilities that come with that. We've got a, a big fan base, big membership. You know, so and like you say, there's big expectation around the club. But I think I've been lucky enough for most clubs I play for or manage that that's always been the case that there's been expectancy, and it's no different at Linfield. It's probably it's probably more so at Linfield because. And Linfield play, no matter who we play, we're, we're, we're expected to win. 
And in terms of yourself, Pat, when you were a player, you had your fair share of success in terms of winning league titles when you were at St Pat's. You also had league title success at Shelburne, the league title with Linfield, of course, as well. Cup success with Bohemians, Shamrock Rovers, among others. How do you reflect back in your playing career? Is it that winning mentality you had as a player during your career in Irish football, uh, both Northern Ireland and, and the Republic of Ireland, that, that really made you want to become a manager? Yeah, probably so. I think the fact that I played under so many good managers, um, you know, I started off my career, I went to England, to Chelsea, um, you know, didn't play in the first team, but under a very good manager in John Hollands when I was there and I was lucky enough and I came back to sign for Brian Kerr of St. Pat's and everybody knows what Brian has done in the game. So I've been very, very fortunate that I've played under a lot of very, very good managers and tried to take on board, um, I suppose, bits from everybody. everybody a lot of people ask you who's your best manager or who who did you prefer to play with but I enjoyed playing wherever I was and you know the managers I played under I did take something from them all um, you obviously got to be your own man and mould yourself into your own type of manager but I think you've got to pick up things on the way from from people that you've worked with um, I played with a lot of big clubs in Ireland um, North and South and expectancy like I said was there and that probably gave me a drive to make sure that's what I wanted to do when I got into management one of the things that I want to ask you about is is when you joined Linfield as a player, you were you were from the, the south, you were Dublin based. What was it like during the nineties when when you signed for Linfield at that time? Did you feel any extra pressure based on where you were from, or as far as you're concerned, was it a case of I'm a footballer, I'll do my job, and I'll win any doubters over? Yeah, I mean for me it was about playing football. It's you know. Like you say, in the nineties in, in in Northern Ireland, Belfast completely different to what it is now. Um, but for me, it was about going to play football for one of the biggest clubs on the island. Um, and I played for some of the big clubs down south, and I just wanted to test myself at something different. Um, and when the offer came along to sign for Linfield, a lot of heads would have turned at the time. Um, and I can understand that as well from where I was coming from, the background I was coming from to play for Linfield. But um, like you said, it was about playing football for me and giving me giving myself a chance to play with some very, very good players, play for a great club and to, to, to win more silverware. And that's, you know, I base my career on that is, is about winning and Linfield gave me that opportunity. And in terms of your, your playing career, Pat, and your, your playing style, most people listening to this may remember you mostly as a manager, of course, in the spells that will come to soon. How would you describe your game? Because when you look at your statistics, a goal in every four from midfield is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, well, probably when, when I went away to England, I went away as a striker. Yeah, so that probably helped me in relation to goal scoring. Um, as I developed over the years, um, I probably wasn't the biggest and I wasn't the quickest to play at the top end of the pitch. So I ended up dropping back and I played on the left side of midfield. And then when I signed for Bohemians, um, I ended up being a central center midfielder. And um, like I say, I was able to get in the box and get about the pitch and and you know it was probably different to what's around at the moment that I felt like I could do a bit of both where now players seem to be shoehorned into being a, a, a hole of midfielder and an attacking midfielder you know but the game was different then as well obviously but I had a knack for scoring goals and um, from centre midfield and like you say one and four I suppose is really decent from from a centre midfielder um, so I would have said I, I was I was a decent player at the level I played at um, and I, I would have worked really hard on the game all the time. And in terms of yourself, one of the things that again fascinates me about your story is the fact that when you take over the Shelburne job, your player manager, 
what what's that role like? Is it difficult to manage when you're going from playing alongside teammates to then being the boss? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I took the Shell's job, obviously, uh, Dermot Keeley had left the, the club and I played under Dermot Grant really well with him and was at a hard act to follow. And it didn't start really well for me, I have to be honest. And when I started at Shelbourne, it was a short season where the League of Ireland transitioned from winter football to summer football. And we had a real poor start, got knocked out of Europe and, um, you know, I was on a sticky wicket for a while. But then it just, we just seemed to take off and, um it went, 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 obviously went well from then, but it was very difficult to, to sort of be in a dressing room with players that were your mates and, you know, obviously being involved in the, the dressing room banter and wherever goes with it and going onto the pitch with them to having to make decisions where you're going to have an impact on them. Um, but it wasn't something I was fearful of. I always felt I would make the right decision no matter who was involved for the best of the club. And that's what I did. And obviously probably lost a few mates <laughs> along the way because of that, but that's football. You mentioned the fact that that's football and you're right, when you're the manager, things change and relationships can change. But when you look at the success you had, it was worth it in the sense that you lead the club to their first ever back-to-back titles in 2003, then following up obviously in 2004. What was it about the team that you built then that you think helped make it so successful? Because as I say, to get back-to-back titles in any league is some achievement. Yeah, it is a difficult thing to do because... I think, in fairness, I inherited a good team. I had a very good uh, backing from the people at the club. Um, we got some fantastic players when I was there as a player and some of them were obviously still around when I took over as the manager. Um, and we built a squad that we felt could not only uh, perform uh, domestically, that we wanted to try, I suppose, change the mindset of the team we had going into European games. I played in Europe a lot of times with League of Ireland clubs and um, we had taken... We'd done well in a lot of the games, but, you know, fitness levels obviously was an issue for us and Shells had gone to a full-time model. Um, and we wanted to try to take that onto the European stage a little bit as well. And we introduced a lot of stuff that I suppose most teams now are, are, are now doing as normal. Well, for League of Ireland clubs at the time, probably would have been one of the first to do that. So, you know, off the pitch from a fitness point of view and diet, nutrition, all that sort of thing, which is second nature now to players. But back then it wasn't, and it was, certainly wasn't in the League of Ireland. So, um but I think everything when 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 you're a manager is around players and how good they are and how you can gel them into you. One of the things that, that fascinates me about the Shelburne story is the fact that you win the title again in 2006, but the club has difficulties mm. off the park, mm. which which makes it a, a roller coaster uh, for so many reasons. Just describe what that was like and explain the situation. I think... I think the one thing that, that the players, like you said, we won the late three and four back to back and then you know, were disappointed the next season where we felt we, we didn't get to the levels we should have. And then to go and win it again in 2006 on the back of, you know, players not being paid maybe for 10 or 12 weeks, staff staff not being paid for, for longer periods than that. So it was really difficult. And to be able to, to get a group of people to stay focused and stay you know, mindful of what, what the goal was for us, even on the back of the fact that they weren't receiving salaries at the time was was some achievement. And I, I don't think that team ever got the credit it deserved because of that. Because when you're in that situation, it's very, very difficult to manage a team. It's not something that you're given on coaching courses or any of the license that, that you do to, to prepare you for that. But um, we were just able to keep everyone together and go on to win the league that year, which was, a, was a, some achievement, to be fair to the players. And, and see, because of that, that, 
tough nature of that season, getting the title, obviously, everything that follows afterwards. Was that part of the reason that your mind was was made up to to maybe look at your next step and ultimately that leads you to Derry City in December 2006? Um, it's probably not something I, I, I really had focus on. I, I'd, I'd spent, I think, nine or ten years at Shelburne at that stage, both as a player and as, as a manager. I had a great relationship with Ollie Bourne, who was running the club at the time and the board. Um, probably the last thing I wanted to do was leave the club, but I think circumstances just got to the stage where it was the right thing to do, uh, probably for everybody. Um, probably the decision I made was the wrong decision um, at the time, yeah, but that's football and you obviously live and learn with decisions that you make in football. Unfortunately, you don't get away, get away with them too often, um, but I've been on record to say before it was, it, it was probably a move that I, I shouldn't have made. I did turn down the dirty job two or three times prior to taking it. So, um, most things that I do, gut feeling is has a has a strong part of what I believe. And my gut feeling was to not take the dirty job, and I did in the end. And uh, it didn't work out well. You know, I think six months into a three-year contract, I met the chairman on the board and said, "Listen, let's let's just call it a day." You know, it's not working out for me. It certainly wasn't working out for Dirty, and we just parted ways. To be honest, you know, and I shook the hand and left, and and that was it. You mentioned the fact that you decide to part ways. You explained to the chairman it's time to go. The, the the thing that fascinates me with that is the fact that a lot of managers in football, when a job doesn't go the way they, they, they think it should, can, can very easily lose confidence. Whereas when you take your next club job at Bohemians, you're able to replicate that success that you had at Shelburne and win back-to-back titles. Just sum up how how it, you were able to mould Bohemians into to winning those titles, because that is some achievement. Again, as I said earlier, back-to-back titles in whatever league you're in is, is, is a superb achievement. Yeah, but it's like I said before, it's 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 having a group of players that you, you know, you mould into a team and 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 you find a way that suits them to play and, and you know, you give, you give them the licence to, to go and play and you've got to manage that, obviously, from all different aspects of the club. Bowes was a a club that had played for had success there winning the FAI Cup after a long barren spell where they hadn't won anything and I had a really good season there as a player and um, a few seasons before I went to Linfield so going back there as a manager was uh, was easy for me I knew a lot of the people still around I thought we had they had good players at the time and um, we're knocking on the door a little bit then but um, again just the success was 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 down. It's, it's down to when you've got good players, you've got to be able to, to like I said, mould them and give them a license to go and play and find a system and a formula that suits them and manage it. Then you know it's managing both on and off the pitch, and and that's what we did. And um, you know it was a great time at Bowes. We, I mean, we, like you said, we we won a double, we won back to back leagues, we won a Satanta Cup, League Cup. You know, so it was a, it was a brilliant period of success for the club. And in terms of uh, the league title, the first of those titles was won by a 19-point margin. See when, see, when you're managing a club, obviously when you've won many league titles. Winning titles, I imagine, is is always a great feeling. But when you win it as convincingly as you did in that first season, um, or, or the first time you won it with Bohemians, does that really make it even more special? Because you know there's, there's nobody at all that can possibly dispute how well the team's done over the course of a season. No, and, and it, it, it's unusual because the league that year had some really good teams in it. You know, there was there was there was money around the league at the time, but we just we just went on a run of form that was incredible. Um, we had a very very good squad, very strong squad. 
Um, like I said, we we're scoring goals for fun, not conceding any goals, and we just we 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 just ripped it up, I suppose, for for the want of a better word, in that uh, that season. And uh, again, the the credit should go to the players for that because they were relentless in 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 making sure that we got over the line early and then keeping it going. So, um, but again, really, really, really good players, and that was proven by by obviously what they did in their careers. You know, both both in Ireland, and some of them went further afield and. Uh, we had, we had some smashing players at the time. In terms of the players that you had during that spell at Bohemians, who were the, the real standouts in terms of working with them in the training field every day and, of course, turning it into, into form on a, on a Saturday or a Sunday as well? Yeah, well, listen, you know, I've had... I've been fortunate enough that I had a captain that was at Shelbourne with me on here that was 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 at Bowes when I took back over, when I took over at Bowes and he was there at the time and... And was just an inspirational leader for the group. Uh, brilliant captain, both on and off the pitch. Um, again, like I said, it's it's finding a form and a way that suits people to walk. And Owen was a, a proper leader in the dressing room. Um, good player as well. <clears throat> really good defender. Um, but had a will and a desire to win. And I tried to instill that into the team. And, and when you have someone like him leading that for you, then it becomes a lot easier. We had some very, very good young players. We had... Uh, now Gary Deegan, who I would have had previously at Shells and then at Hibs as well, uh, was part of that team. Brian Murphy, fantastic goalkeeper, went and had a good career in England. You know, right across the team, Jason Bourne, Glenn Crow, all players that are League of Ireland. You know, played played at a higher level as well, both of them, but proper League of Ireland players and really, really good players at that level. Um, and and it was just that we had a blend. Of a team that was that was that was very very strong. We brought in a couple of outside players: Joseph and uh, Cameroon International, and Mindagas Colonus, Lithuanian International. And they just added something different to the group as well. So it was a real good blend and mixture. Uh, young striker Paddy Madden, who's who's doing well for himself still in England, scored in goal. So really good squad. There's been lots of speculation, obviously, during your time uh, when you were when you were in the League of Ireland and being successful. You you go to Hibs eventually, but before we talk mm. about Hibs, how close was the move to Dundee United? Because they were <laughs> they were desperate to appoint you in 2010. Yeah, it was close. Obviously, I, I spent a day uh, at Dundee United. Um, obviously, um, you know, Bowes had given me the, the the authority to go and speak to to, to Dundee United, and I met and went and met uh, Stephen Thompson and the people at Dundee United, and thought we had. Agreed everything, and then unfortunately, um, Bowes had a little change of heart, and we we're looking for for some money to conclude the deal, and um, it didn't happen. And that's 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 the bottom line. But you know, I was disappointed at the time, really disappointed at the time, because I felt I'd um, I'd done as as much as I probably could do in Ireland, and I felt I, I deserved the chance to go. But listen, it didn't happen, and and obviously, um, I just got on with the job, and and something else came knocking not too uh, long after that. So I suppose uh, what's for you won't pass you. Was moving to, to Scotland an ambition of yours as a coach or is it something that, that really just came around? Is it something that, that, that interested you from the moment you started managing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like playing when, when unfortunately kids in Ireland still look at going abroad to play football and going to the UK. Um, and I think as a manager, you're probably thinking the same that you know, if, if you develop as 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 a coach and a manager within within Ireland, then the next step is can you get 
get across the water to the UK to, to manage a club. Um, so to get an opportunity to manage such a big club in the UK was probably uh, was probably something that that I didn't expect. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Again, people in in, in Ireland, Hibs is a is a massive football club, um, and I did have a chance to join Hibs previous to when I did join them, um, but that didn't happen for for another reason. So, um, but to get that opportunity was fantastic. Going to Hibs, as you say, massive club. The club are struggling a wee bit when you go in. I imagine you're desperate to to get your your tenure off to off to a flyer, and then you go away to Motherwell. You're in the lead, and the game gets abandoned. What on earth were you thinking that day? Yeah, it was it was one of them games that you you know as as a new manager you, you go into a club and you think right let's let's just make sure that we you know when I took the job by Ibs it was about staying up nothing more nothing less make sure we stay in the division. And he found herself in a in a battle with Dunfermline at the wrong end of the table. Um and like you say, that game at Fair Park was 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 uh, very unusual. We 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 started really well and Gary O'Connor put us in front. We were we were shape was good, we were playing well, and then all of a sudden there was a fire started in the far corner and the game was abandoned, and you're thinking, oh no, it's not the start you want. But I think when you look at it from a football point of view, and that's what I would have looked at, you can't control what goes on outside of the pitch, but from a football point of view, I was happy enough with what the players had carried out and you know, just look forward to getting back onto the pitch then, I suppose. You were able to, to keep the club up that season. And one of the, the things uh, I want to ask you about was how on earth did you manage Gary O'Connor and Lee Griffiths together? Because those are big, big characters. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, both, both big characters, but both very, very good footballers. I've been on record to say that, that Lee is probably the best player I've managed. Um, he's just an exceptional talent uh, Gary at the time was probably coming to, to I mean the end of his career but he'd had a lot of injuries and he was he was struggling a little bit from that regard but Lee was a player that you just was a joy to work with you know people look from the outside at the time maybe thought he was a handful but not for me he was just a joy to be able to get on the training pitch with him he didn't want to get off the training pitch he just wanted to get better all the time he's about scoring goals for Lee um, obviously off the pitch he he was um he was a young boy making mistakes and it was tried to guide him in that regard rather than chastise him all the time. It's just tried to put him in the in the right direction, not just as a footballer, but as a person. And fortunately enough, it's it's worked out really well for Lee. He's uh as I said at the time, he's a fantastic talent. And he's proven that I think, you know, obviously a Hibs at the time and since he's gone to Celtic. One of the players you had on loan in that first uh, first season was was Matt Doherty, who, as we know, is mm. is now at Tottenham. He's he's an established Premier League player and an established Irish international. He was obviously mm. a lot younger at that time, but but what was he like as a character? Because he's a, he's another one that we talked about who's who's had some career. Yeah, well, I had Matt. I was fortunate enough that I took Matt into Bohemians and we played him in a friendly as a young boy against Wolves. Uh, Mick McCarthy and Dave Bowman asked me could I take him over for a week and they did and they signed him as they say the rest is history so Matt was a young player when I had him at Bowes he was still a young player when I took him up on loan uh, to Hibs and, and I think he'll be the first to acknowledge he didn't he didn't set the world on fire had a hard time in the cup final like everyone else um, but he showed the character he had uh, the one thing Matt has is he has a real belief in his own ability which is great Um and I think when you're a young player coming from Ireland, you have to have that. You have to have a belief that you're as good as anyone else um, when you get into that into that situation. And Matt has that in abundance. He's obviously a very, very good player. 
like I said, he's been one of the, the best players in the Premier League in his position over a two or three year period. So um, easy to manage as well. You know, when you have a player that is full of confidence and believes in the ability, you just got to give him proper guidance and hopefully we helped him along his way in his career. And a, a great semi-final victory over Aberdeen to reach the Scottish Cup final. The final itself against Hearts is obviously, you, you've been on record in the past to saying it's, it was a really, really painful day, not only for you, mm. but for the supporters. With the, the power of hindsight now, is there any way you can describe the nature of that day? Or is it just one of those days where whatever you've planned just doesn't work and for whatever reason the opposition just seem to ha- seem to have all the all the, the sort of luck and, and clinical nature on their side? Yeah, I don't think they did any luck on the day, to be fair. to them. There's a couple of decisions probably could have went for us, but that's football and you take them. No, listen, I've been on record to say that, you know, the cup final, the, the semi-final against Aberdeen was one of the best days I've had because it's it's one of them days where I've been to Hamden as a supporter of another club on a lot of occasions before that and was just, you know, to see, obviously, the Hibs fans so elated to get to a cup final. Um, but the cup final was just a disaster. There's no other way, there's no other way of dressing her up and, and basically the, the book stops at my door, to be honest. And is there is there lots of things you would have done differently? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, there's no point in uh, going over it again. I got it wrong on the day. And unfortunately, the, the, the supporters of Hib, uh, Hibs suffered on the day. So, um, but like I said, in, in football, you learn you learn something from from every game or every training session you're involved in and you've got to try to take that on board as you move forward. Be honest, Pat, after that result, were you worried for your job? No. Um, the one thing I'd, I'd say about Hibs and, you know, the perception may be outside um, might be different, but I had a great relationship with the chairman, um, Mr Petrie, and he, he was brilliant with me, I have to be honest. He gave me all the support and all the backing and including after the game back in Easter Road because uh, I was devastated, I have to be honest, absolutely devastated. Um, you know, but he just said to me, listen, you, you, what you did to come, you, you, you did what we asked, you kept us in the division, the cup final was obviously maybe something we didn't expect at the time. Um, but just said, get on with the job, you know, and that's what I did, to be fair. like So, you know, like I said before, Hibs is a great club and as a board of directors, you know, gave me all the backing I needed. Well, one of the things that, that you did say you would do after the cup final was make changes, and you certainly did that. You brought in Tim Clancy, James McPake, um, Paul Kearney, Ben Williams, Gary Deegan, Alan Mabry, Shefki Kutche, Tom Tewu, Sean Murdoch, Scott Robertson, and of course the returning Kevin Thompson. When you made those changes, how how happy did that make you as a manager, as you mentioned there, about getting that back into to put a different stamp in the team that, as you admitted, you, you felt that you needed after that cup uh, final, of course? Yeah, I think, you know, it was probably a culmination. I don't think it was the cup final. Only the, re- the reason we were down at the bottom of the league was for, for everybody to see that at the time we just weren't good enough and it was trying to change that. And, you know, it was, it was trying to bring in players that put a little bit more steel into the team. I think we did that. I think people would say, oh, you know, we, we, we were okay. We weren't great to watch. And, you know, but at the time it was about just trying to make sure Hibs were, were climbing back to the position that they needed to be. And I felt... You know, we 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 did well that season. I think we finished uh, seventh. I think it was just outside the, the top six, and um, I was happy enough the way the way that had gone. You know, we we brought in some some good players as well. Um, but we lost we lost at the end of that season. We lost some real talent out of the team, and obviously that was going to give us a problem going forward. But 
you know, I think we steadied the ship more so than made it made it you know brilliant or anything like that. But we did we did definitely steady the ship and um we had a, we had a, we had a good dressing room at that time. The, the following season, uh, the league position improves. You get to another cup mm. final. Some of the highlights of that season: you beat Celtic at home. Lee Griffiths on the score sheet. What's it like when you're facing a club like Celtic and and you beat them? Because crucially, as well, I should add, you drew with them at Celtic Park that yeah. season as well. Yeah, we two good results. Like you said, we beat them at Easter Road and doesn't happen too many times I suppose when you beat Celtic or Rangers um, you know but special feeling as well we played well that day Lee scored a brilliant goal as as he as he did regularly for us um, you know so I think when we went to, to Celtic Park and we drew two each you, know, you mentioned Tim Clancy I think Tim got one of the goals that day as well I think at the end of that game we went top of the league for that day um, you know and it's it's like I said they're, they're the games you really look forward to is, is going to, to Celtic Park and Oyerbox to to pitch yourself obviously against you know very very good players and very very good teams um, you know so but yeah two good occasions really good occasions where you go up against the old firm and you get a result you're happy I've got to ask you what it's like managing in an Edinburgh derby because you've had your your, your share of draws in that in those games. You've mm. also won um, those games as well. So just what's it like being involved in that occasion? Because crucially, one of the games in the season we're talking about, you managed to get a win at, um, at Hearts in, in dramatic, dramatic fashion. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of the highlights as well as, as a Hibs manager is, is going to Tyne Castle and winning. And like you said, Two fantastic goals that day, late in the game, and I suppose it just makes it. It doesn't make up for for anything that's gone on uh, previously, but it just it, it you, you know with derby games because you're a football fan and you know with derby games what it sort of gives to the spectator. It's different to a normal match, um, and it just it just it just makes everybody feel good for a, a short period of time, including myself and staff and everybody else. So to go to Tynecastle that day and win and and and. Like I said, we, we scored two fabulous goals to win the game as well. It's a special occasion. But I think I think the Edinburgh Derby is is whether it's played at uh, Easter Road or at Tynecastle is a, it's a special game. The two grounds that sort of lend themselves to the atmosphere because you know they're 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 close old style British grounds still. You know we're on top. The supporters are on top. Of you, I haven't been to Tynecastle since they built a new stand. But when I was there, it was. Uh, it was certainly a hostile place for his manager to go, but I wouldn't have had it any other way, to be honest. In terms of the run to the, the 2013 Scottish yeah. Cup final, you, you beat Hearts in the fourth round, beat Aberdeen again in the fifth, Kilmarnock in the quarters. But again, in typical Pat, Pat Fenlon and Hibbs fashion, the semi-final against Falkirk was was another absolutely nail-biting occasion and, and a great spectacle for, for any of the neutrals. Yeah, not if you're a manager sitting on the bench 3-0 down, it's not a great spectacle to be honest. But uh, <laughs> listen, I think I think in your career I played in a game like that for, for Bohemians. I think it's finished six four Bohemians and Shelbourne actually. Um you don't get many of them in your career, to be honest. But when they come around, it's sort of one of them games where I think when you're looking at it from a from a manager's point of view, you're I think the important thing was was to try to get the halftime and, and 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 get the point across and and just make sure that you know, to, to try iron out some of the problems you had. Um, and I think the key to say to the players was, listen, it's the next goal. It's the next goal will change the game. Um, you know, you're 3-0 down, but I guarantee if you get the next goal, that the game will change. And uh, fortunately it did. Um, brilliant second half performance. It's probably from from 
the ridiculously bad to, to the really good in the second half. Um, and it was just one of, like I said, one of them games where at the end of it, probably not even at the end of it, but that evening when I sat down, it just, you just drained, you know, because you've gone through every emotion, um, you know, coming off um, that if we had been beaten training in the semi boy and be Falkirk, that might have been a time for me to worry about my job, to be fair. Um, and rightly so but when you're coming off and again after winning a semi-final now you're going to another Scottish Cup final um, it was brilliant and and you know I was only there for like a period of time and the only two Scottish Cup games I lost were two Cup finals um, you know we won two semi-finals and, but that was just one of them games roller coaster, absolute roller coaster. and again Mr Griffiths is, is uh, exceptional that day and a couple of young players that we, we had brought into the squad um, done really well that day for us as well. So, um, but it was a brilliant feeling at the end. But half time was was a difficult time. But like I said, it was just about trying to get the players in, and um, there was a little bit of pandemonium for a period of time at half time. But I suppose we got it sorted out and got the right result in the end. Absolutely, you managed to turn that around, and, and the pandemonium certainly helps. Um, you were the first Hibs manager in eighty nine years to lead the club to two consecutive Scottish Cup finals. Ultimately, in the end, obviously. <laughs> Um, you lose the Hearts and then you lose to Celtic. Is getting to the final a great feeling? But when you see that it's Celtic that are going to be joining you and it's a Celtic team, obviously, on a high, they've clinched the league title. Is that something, as is, is, is the manager of Hibs that day, you think, oh, I just wish Dundee United somehow could have held on and beat Celtic because this is going to be tough? Yeah, I don't think this, you know, you're going to be telling any lawyers if you get into a Scottish Cup final that the two you probably don't want to play in it are both Celtic or Rangers, you know, because you know, the history and the power that they have. Um, but listen, you, you you go up against, and it's probably the proudest day I've had was was leading Hibs out against Celtic in the Scottish Cup final. And, you know, it was, it was just, it was a great occasion at the start, but slowly turned into into a, into a difficult afternoon for us. I thought we did all right in the game. We had, we had a decent chance early in the first half. And I think when you get chances against Celtic, you, you got to take them. But in fairness to them, they, they, they ran over the top of us then and they were comfortable winners in the end. But, it's like anything when you get the cup finals. The last thing you want to do is lose them, and there's no, there's no, you know what I'm saying. It was a, it was a great occasion, and I really enjoyed it. But again, it's a similar feeling to the Hearts game. You're coming out on the wrong side of a defeat, um, and again, you're looking at all them Hibs fans that have travelled through to back it again. You know and that history that they had in the Scottish Cup at the time, um, and you're thinking, is that ever going to change for them? But thankfully, it did not, not too long later. The following season, it's a, it's a tough start. Um, you, you you continue with with the side, but ultimately leave the club after a quarter final defeat against Hearts. Just describe your emotions when when you leave Hibs, and and with the power of hindsight now, how do you reflect on your spell at the club? Because to manage a club like Hibs, as, as you mentioned earlier, is, is something that I imagine sticks with you forever. Yeah, listen, I think. Again, I've been rec- record to say when I took over at Hibs, we were in a relegation battle in I think 10th or 11th in the, in the SPL and, and struggling. Um, when I left uh, Hibs, we were fifth in the league. You know, like you say, brought into two Scottish Cup finals. I think people will, will remember two games, the Hearts Cup final and the Malmo in Europe were two disasters and, and they were. And there's no point in getting away from that, but I think people have got to to, to look at the bigger picture and and I've always said that I, I definitely left Hibs in a better place. Um, in hindsight, leaving them at the time was probably the wrong thing to do because they got relegated, um, even though they were fifth in the league when I did leave. Um, 
But it made me mind up after we'd actually played Aberdeen, I think, on the Saturday, got beaten 2 0, and we were really, really poor, really poor. And I'd sort of made up my mind after that game. And, you know, we were playing due to play Hearts then in this quarterfinal of the League Cup, and we played really, really well against Hearts, and their goalkeeper was fantastic on the night. They scored a brilliant goal to beat us 1 0. And I was hoping that that would have been the other way around and I could have left with the team in the semi-final of the League Cup, but we didn't. And that decision was made again, went to see the chairman and just shook his hand and said, listen, I think I've, I've taken it to the point where the club's in a good position. We were still in the Scottish Cup. We were fifth in the league. And I thought it was a chance for someone else to come in, not like I did, where you were sitting bottom of the league, scrapping a relegation uh, fight for a new manager to come in. Like I said, sitting in that decent position in the league, come in and take her over and try to take her forward. You leave at that point, November 2013, you take some time out of the game before returning um, to management with Shamrock Rovers. What's it like when, when you leave a job, like a high-profile job like Hibs, and you take some time out of the game? Is it something that you felt was definitely needed? Because when you listen to certain managers uh, over the years, Josie Mourinho obviously been a high-profile one. He always talked about the fact he hated being out of work. But then when he left Manchester United, he said it was probably the most refreshing thing that had happened to him and that he actually needed it. How did you feel at that point? Yeah, I think I think, you know... And again, people outside of Scottish football probably not aware. I mean, I definitely needed a break. Um, it was, it was, even though Hibs was a brilliant job, it was a difficult job at times. Um, and obviously, you're well aware of the demands of, of of Scottish football. You know, the media demands is completely different to what, what something I was used to in Ireland. Um, you know, so I think it was just just getting a break from it and trying to recharge the batteries and and get yourself going again and make sure that, that that's what you want to do. You know, it's it's you know when 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 you leave a job in any circumstances, most times as a manager leaving, you know, you already get sacked because it hasn't gone well, or or you're 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 going to take on a better job. And um, in this case, it was something that I made the decision to to, to leave Hibs, um, and that decision was 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 to take a little break from it, um, and I did do that, and it was the right thing to do at the time. Returning to, uh, to management with Shamrock Rovers, were, were you excited to get back to to, to um, Ireland? Was that something that was that was part of the plan, or was it just a case of the job came up and you thought, you know, I quite fancy that, regardless of where it is? Yeah, no, I wasn't. There wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a case that I wanted to get back to Ireland quickly. Um, but the job came up. It's it, it was a club that I supported as a young boy, um, still have, still do. Um, you know, when you get a chance to manage the team that you that you have supported, you know, when I was a young lad before I went to England, I supported Rovers home and away a lot of the time. So um, it was just a great opportunity to go and take take the job. And uh, again, totally enjoyed my time at Rovers. Um, you know, but but it, it's it's that's like things when 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 jobs come up for you, got a way up where you where you think you are at the time and what you can do with the club that you're going to take over and. Uh, that decision was easy enough when it comes to a club like Shamrock Rovers, again, a bit like Linfield, probably the two clubs that will argue between each other, which is the biggest on the island of Ireland. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to play for both of them uh, and manage Shamrock Rovers and obviously now be the general manager at Linfield as well. After the spell at Shamrock Rovers, you go into the sort of business side of football um, mm. in terms of being director of football at Waterford and obviously we come up to the present day and you're general manager at Linfield. In terms of that director of football role at Waterford, it was a big rebuilding job for the club. 
was that just quite simply a project that was exciting? And 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 what was the director of football role like for you? Were you ever involved in the training field, or was it strictly recruitment and um, t- talent spotting type role? No, I think that the word of a job is not something that I was uh, I had in mind. Um, I got a call from a friend of mine to say that Lee Power had bought the club. I played with Lee. Uh, uh, be international for the Republic of Ireland against Denmark a long time ago. So I knew Lee played on the 21 game room as well. Um, and he said to me that Lee was going to come in and take over Waterford and try to rebuild it. Um, again, Waterford is a club with huge history in Ireland and um, big fan base, you know, really good setup. And they were in the first division at the time, struggling down the bottom of it. We're attracting maybe 200 fans to their games. Um, and it took me a while, to be honest, to think, right, well, you know, this is something different. Um, I decided after the Rovers job that I didn't want to manage again. Um, and this was something different that, again, kept me involved in the game. And when, Lee, when I met Lee and we had a discussion around and told me what he wanted to do, we wanted to obviously get Waterford promoted as quick as possible and try challenge for Europe, which was ambitious when you consider they were bottom of the first division at the time. Um, but we did that within a short period of time. We brought in Alan Reynolds as the manager, who I would have had as a player at Shelbourne. Um, and Alan did a brilliant job and we were all with Alan at the time was again was guidance young manager you know I was there for him I did walk in the training pitch room the odd time when he wanted me to do it was it was basically his call I was there to do all the recruitment get all the players signed look after everything from a football perspective and just let him go and coach the team but if he needed me to give him a dig I was there to do that and thoroughly enjoyed my time at Warford great club again crowd jumped you know from like I said a few hundred up to three and a half thousand for the end of the season when we were getting promoted and, and, and winning the championship. Um, so it showed the potential. And then the following season, Waterford um, did get themselves and qualified for Europe, but unfortunately didn't get that position because of legalities around the change of the name of the club. So, um, But really enjoyed that side of, of, of football. Again, different to what I was doing previously as a player, as a coach. And was able to see what was going on from the other side of the club. And uh, probably opened my eyes to, to a lot of work that gets done when you're a manager and a coach, your focus is on the team and getting results. Um, and you're not really that interested in how the rest, rest of the club functions. Um, but when you're on my side looking, looking the other way, well, then it's, it's very, very interesting to see how football clubs work. Just before you go, Pat, and thank you for being so generous with your time. During your time in management, you mentioned the fact that you've moved on from management now. It's more of the, the, the general manager, director of football type role that you're enjoying. When you were a manager, um, there's lots of talk in the media, um, regardless of the level of formations and, and tactics. Were you someone that had a set system you would stick to and that was your philosophy, the buzzword we hear about um, quite a lot now? Or in your opinion, is management and coaching all about being flexible with the players you've got? Yeah, I think you've got to be open. I think, you know, a long time ago when I was playing, it was probably, you know, play, people played 4-4-2 and they might have changed it slightly, but nothing drastic. You know, we'd have had teams that would have played three at the back. And um, But I think you've got to be open. I think the way the game has gone, you've got to be open to have an open mind of how the game is played. And there's not, there's not one way of playing football. I think that's important that people don't get bogged down on one way of playing football. There's loads of different ways and that's what makes the game so good and so so interesting at times. Um, from my own point of view, I would have started off in coaching when I was very, very young and, and it would have been fairly basic. Uh, and then obviously progressed through all the licence to my pro licence and I would have seen obviously the coaching role change dramatically and it's changing all the time. It's always 
it's continuously changing for coaches and managers and as young managers are, are, are involved in the game, they've got to make sure they stay, you know, they stay focused on, on that because the game is, is always going to change. But there's always, for me, there's always the, the same, the same philosophies around, around football. You know, you can coach them and you can have all the tactics in the team you want. You've got to have a desire. That's the key for me. You've got to have a desire to win football matches. You know, that's, and if, if you don't have that, no matter what tactics you have, well, then you're going to struggle. Um, you know, but there's obviously a lot of work to be done with players now. Players want m- more information. Um, in my day as a player, as a you know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have had any of that information, but now they do when they thrive on that and they take it all in. Um, so I think as a, as a coach or manager at the moment, you've got to be evolving all the time. Brilliant, Pat. It's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you and Linfield all the very best for the future, and thanks again for your time. Cheers, Colin. Thank you.